it's a virus, I get it, like, I respect it, but at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are gonna die, which is terrible, but like, inevitable? I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now. <laughs> oh yeah, my favorite podcast is the Sick and Wrong Podcast, cause it's a very good It's a funny, 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 funny show. Sick and Wrong Podcast is a wonderful podcast. It's a miraculous podcast. It's like the best podcast in the whole wide, wide, wide world. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, Steve Simon. I'm Harrison. Harrison, uh, how's the uh, self-quarantine? It was going fine. I was like avoiding, you know, these uh, doomsday, like the, you know, the people that are freaking out. I was like avoiding them. You well, you mean all the, uh, you mean the doomsayers on Facebook and on social yeah, yeah, media yeah, in yeah. general? Yes. The fear mongers. I was avoiding the them. The fear mongers. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I was talking to one like at, my office i was getting stuff out of my desk and then i was talking to one dude and uh and then he kind of like convinced me that it's, it's like no this is gonna be like this till september and i'm like oh <laughs> what have you been okay. freaking out about it like uh well, i mean you, I went... you're at home all the time anyway like you never leave your house so i don't understand how self-quarantine is really gonna make that much of yeah, a but difference. it's my choice man you know yeah it's true it's my choice that is right? true it's a big deal and uh, no, 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 it was like, and I, I went to the supermarket and it was like, all, all the shelves are empty. And they're like, <laughs> you have 10 minutes. And then I'm just like, what, what that does to my mind is I'm just like, in two months, we're going to be fighting people for food. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Killing each other for toilet paper. Yeah. Did like, you I'm have just going to gonna stand... kill myself. Like, I, like this, I don't love life enough to do that. Did, did uh, you have to stand in line? And wait, because I no, heard I heard they're actually, doing shifts. That's a, what they're doing. Like you go in for a shift, and you got to be in there for like twenty minutes. You can only buy like two cans of tuna. Like it's rationed. No, there was no limit there. You know, it actually wasn't. There were just I. I you, if you go like fifteen minutes before it closes, then they're yelling at you, and you got to rush. But but there is no line of people and. No. You're not fighting over hand no, sanitizer. But again, you everything's empty. So Yeah, I've noticed I noticed that. Very, you yeah. know, if I was thinking about this the other day. Tell me what would happen if cuz I we walked over to we were going to go to 7-Eleven. I was like, "No, let's check out Rite Aid." So we went over the Rite Aid right over on Vermont, which is a pretty crowded Rite Aid. And it was weird. Like we go in and all the like the whole entire aisle of like paper towel, napkins, uh, toilet paper, it's just barren. There's nothing there. Mm. As long as there's liquor, I'm cool. So the liquor aisle was fine, even though it's locked up, which is annoying. But there are like maybe six people in line, and everybody's standing like four feet apart from each other. And by the time we we're done shopping, there are now like 30 people in line. So the line with everybody wow. four feet away from, away from each other went all the way back to the back of the store. That's hilarious. So I was thinking about this. We walked over, we left, and we walked over by, I wanted to walk by Ralph's, and Ralph's had like 
I don't know, a line of like probably 50 people waiting to get in because I think they're doing the shifts. And so what do you think would happen if you decided to pull some kind of prank, like a zombie prank, where you walk up and you bite like a foaming red capsule so your whole face is just like foaming blood and you start like screaming and you have a friend there that's in on it and you start attacking, like biting her arm and she's screaming. Do you think someone would shoot you? Um, in L.A., no. I, yeah, I wonder. Do you think? It, I wonder if it'd be mob justice. People are so scared I, right now. Yeah, but I feel like you could do that anywhere in America, like last year, and they'd, you'd probably get shot. You know. I just wonder if there's like the level of paranoia where like yeah. no one would even think you're joking. Like they would be like, "Fuck, we're gonna kill you with a baseball bat or something." Well, yeah, because well, I mean, because when I had the realization, it was because it was like, "Oh, do I get a gun? Do I whatever?" And then I'm just like, I'm not gonna, you know, you you keep, you don't you can't lose if you don't play, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, no I'm just gonna true. take myself off the board in that scenario. The, my only question is like, how do I do it so that my cat joins me in the afterlife? How do the uh, Egyptians be do like that? a like a yeah like the Egyptians? You have to kill your animals, mummify them, and bury them with you. Okay, that's kind of how it works. Right. You know, unless anybody wants a toothless cat. people are people are going hysterical though i mean people are going mad like it's getting crazy out there like we we covered a whole little roundup on patreon about all the coronavirus um crimes and things that are happening right now but this is one of the funniest things that i've read recently about the corona truthers out there there's like these covid truthers who refuse to acknowledge that there's a virus going around that's highly contagious that could kill people. They're like, oh, the common flu, just as contagious, kills more people. It's like, yeah, but not at this rapid. And like, that's the thing. COVID-19 is much more contagious than the flu and more contagious than SARS. I was talking to a guy the other day who said it wasn't wasn't coronavirus, it was 5G. 5G, like a phone signal? Yeah. They're trying to make everyone sick and subservient or something with 5G. And they're cutting down trees because trees <laughs> block 5G. This is a guy. This is the guy I buy Xanax from. So I don't know. Okay. All right. I was, I was thinking, know. is that your coworker? No. Okay. <laughs> no, um, this is my drug dealer. This is the funniest thing that I've read. QAnon, of course, conspiracy theorists have falsely claimed that the coronavirus pandemic is a cover-up for the sex trafficking arrests of Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks. Because that's what's really happening. Yeah, makes sense. Oprah and Tom Hanks, they have these sex trafficking rings that have been going around for years now. Everybody's in on it. And that's what they're using the coronavirus to cover that up. I was wondering why that wasn't in the news yet. (laughs) It's a cover up, man. It's a cover up. Mm. Um, But yeah, people are getting getting wacky. And I think, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg. I think as time progresses, we don't know how long... We're going to be working from home. We don't know how long we're going to be isolated and quarantined with our loved ones. Hmm. And I think it's a matter of time before your loved ones become your victims. Because, you know, if you're, if you're going you to be imagine? a victim of any sex trafficking ring, I imagine the Tom Hanks one would be delightful. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He would, he's a charming I, entertainer that's the know? thing is he's diddling yeah. you it'd be so he's so charming that it probably yeah. wouldn't seem as bad you know it no, wouldn't seem as like yeah i wouldn't yeah. think i was being raped because it's tom hanks yep you know and he's such a cheerful charming man 
I'd but be yeah. like, can you scream Wilson at me while you're fucking me? Please, <laughs> thank you. But what I'm saying is I think we're going to get a lot of these, we're going to get a lot of domestic violence situations within the next couple months. Yep. You know, like, uh, like, like fucking full on shining type of things. Like dads just going nuts and murdering their whole families. Or mothers sacrificing their own children to the god of coronavirus. Something's going to happen. Um, we had a listener send us a, a, a topic that she thought we should cover. And I was thinking, you know, this topic's actually kind of appropriate. Because I could see this totally happening with coronavirus right now. Um, Scaffa is what she calls herself here. Not quite sure what that refers to. Sounds like some kind of brand of chewing tobacco. Scaffa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she says, hello, boys. I stumbled upon an interesting lady today on the Internet. Teresa Knorr. She is really banana batshit crazy, right up your alley. She really is. She's, mm. she's Looney Tunes. Mm. I always find it interesting with a female perpetrator, and this one has some real unique parenting, parenting styles. Mm. Uh, the book, Whatever Mother Says, is about her, and doesn't that title give you a boner? Because if not, then I don't know what will. Uh, also, one of the kids is in the series The Face of My Torturer, which I think is on A&E. But yeah, there's been several books written about face this lady. of a torturer. What the face of my torturer? I think oh, it's a okay. series on A and E, like a true mm. crime thing. Um, but this woman, God, the is eyes she of evil. a ranger. She is evil, Teresa Nor. She burned her daughter alive. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'd say within two months, we're gonna have a lot more. We're gonna have like a lot of similar crimes happening. Because people can't take being with their families like on a weekend at Disneyland. Can you imagine yeah. being locked up with them for fucking two months? Well, I mean, that is the... I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the Surgeon General did say that that's the way that your household can be spared. What, if you murder your family? One of your children has to be set on fire. <laughs> that's, a, that's the best way. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure the Surgeon General said that. So. Oh. I haven't heard that yet. It works in Russia. Everett Koop. Is he still the Surgeon General? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, Teresa Nora, I was doing some research, and yeah, this lady's evil, man. She brutally murdered two of her daughters with the uh, help of her sons. So, a little background on this lady. I actually wasn't familiar with her, uh, with her crimes, um, even though she was like from Northern California, but it happened in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. I didn't know about it. But Teresa Knorr was born in uh, 1946 to Jim and Swanee Gay Cross in Sacramento, California. Mm. Uh, she grew up in Sacramento, and uh, by like the mid-50s, her father was diagnosed with Parkinson's and uh, was forced into unemployment, and her mother, Swanee, tried to support the family until, until she suffered a fatal heart attack. And poor Teresa, only 15 years old, held her mother in her arms as she died. And I think that is what led her down to becoming a, a insane, psychotic person. I think that's when I, like, she was shattered, like the Joker. Okay. Oh, I see. I think yeah. that's what happened. Um, so a year after, she, after her mother died, she was only 15 years old, she dropped out of high school and married her first husband, Clifford Clyde Sanders. So her name was Teresa Sanders at that point. And that's where she gave birth to her first child, Howard. Um, Howard wasn't really involved with all the crimes, but he did help abuse the kids. I will get to that in a minute. But Teresa didn't seem to ever have a very uh, good relationship with any of her husbands, and she was married several times. 
Uh, Clifford, it was a particularly tumultuous relationship with those two. Uh, she claimed her husband was abusive and alcoholic. Uh, she filed charges against him after being punched in the face. Hmm. Uh, but then she later dropped the charges. And at the peak of their brawling, during a heated argument, Teresa shot Clifford with a rifle, killing him. Hmm. Yeah, she was charged with the murder of Clifford Sanders, but she pleaded not guilty and claimed self-defense. And at the trial, Clifford's relatives were like, we know she did this. They testified because they could tell she had that like psychotic glint in her eye. <laughs> she does. She has like crazy diaper astronaut eyes, this woman. Um, she was found not guilty by the jury, though. So in, in uh, 1964, she's found not guilty of the murder of Clifford Clyde Sanders. And the following spring... She gave birth to her second child, Sheila Gay. Hmm. Gay. That's a great, great middle name there. That was like a middle, that was like, like that was like a common middle name back then. That could be your first name. Gay? Yeah. Oh, you, are you gay saying Talese. Gay Lord? Gay Talese. Oh, yeah, Gay Talese, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Gay Lord, yeah, Gay Lord was a last name that like, I can't imagine like <laughs> growing up with that last name. Like I've met people Gaylord? that had that last name and I'm like, <laughs> Where I grew up, like, that would be it. You'd be... I don't even know what would happen to you in Michigan. You'd have it, to hang yourself. There'd be no I, other option. Yeah, the bullying That's would it. just be at another yeah. level. It'd be yeah. pretty bad. Yeah. So uh, she had two kids now. And in 1966, she married a Marine named Bob Knorr. The couple had four children together at this point. Susan, William, Robert, and uh, Teresa Terry Marie hmm. in uh, 1970. But much like her previous marriage... Her relationship with uh, the Marine was fraught with alcohol-fueled arguments and accusations of infidelity. Uh, the couple soon called it quits. And then she was married two more times after that, which blows my mind that this many guys would be like, she seems like the, you know, a suitable housewife. I mean, she's got like six kids. Yeah. She's insane. She's an alcoholic. It's like, who, who's, who's marrying her? Why would you get married to her? People are lonely, you know? I suppose. Everyone got married back then, though, in the 70s. Yeah, that's what you do. So she uh, divorced Bob Knorr, then she was married to Ron Pulliam, and then finally to Chet Harris. Uh, the last marriage only lasted two months before that one uh, was, hmm. was uh, dissolved. Um, it was that last marriage to Chet Harris that finally pushed her over the edge. Her drinking increased, her neuroses worsened, she became reclusive, unpredictable, and unduly harsh and brutal to her children. Her kids said that it was the, uh, you know, the, the last husband, the end of the, the end of the marriage, the last husband that just finally turned her into the monster that she became. Mm -hmm. um, after Harris, her, her daughter, Terry, the youngest daughter said after Harris, she dated for a little while, but then she got to the point where she didn't want to remarry. She didn't want to date. She didn't want to be around anyone else. And I think that's when she just kind of took it out on her kids, especially her daughters. So this is weird. This is like, this is when the chat, like the real child abuse started in the seventies and her, mm. uh, her two, uh, sons, William and Robert agreed, like recalling that their mother's transformation from angry disciplinarian to raging eccentric took place in the late seventies. Uh, one of them said, William said, when I turned around, turned uh, 10 or 11, she started becoming abusive and short-tempered. She got rid of the telephone because she didn't want people calling. We weren't allowed to have any friends inside the house. Uh, 
her, his brother Robert said, when I was growing up, I hated the Brady Bunch because I knew nobody lived like that. It was a mm. bullshit TV show. <laughs> well, I kind of agree with that, though. <laughs> bullshit, man. <laughs> Did you yeah. hate that show when you were growing up? No, I liked it. Did you? What'd you like about it? I, I thought Marsha it was... Brady? You know, that, that is the origin Duh. of step porn. Stepbrother, stepsister porn. Mm. If you think about it. I'm going to, you know what? I, I just did dur and I did duh. Another word. I'm going to just, I'm going to stick with doy in the future. Doy. <laughs> doy is what works for me. And I, I, I should really stick with what works. But yeah, yeah. you know, weren't they all fucking each other though? Uh, Greg, certainly Greg and fucking Marsha were. Well, not yeah. Robert Reed. No. The dad, he wasn't. I um, hope not. No, Greg. Yeah. I think the younger brother was too. It's fucking Cindy. I don't know. Anyway, I was never into that show. I just, it wasn't that I thought it was a bullshit TV show. I just thought it was just lame. I like the it Partridge family. It was something family. that like Generation X people liked, you know? I like the Partridge family. Are you Generation X? I don't even know what yeah, you I'm are. Yeah, I'm Gen X. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just wasn't, yeah, I wasn't into it. But the Partridge well, family day I was, was cool. Yeah, any day over Marsha Brady, yeah. Um, yeah, he said that, uh, you know, he uh, said that he didn't know that he was being abused or that his family was being abused because he thought this behavior from his mother was normal. And if you think about it, you know, kids normalize everything. Like you don't really know it's, it's wrong until you've experienced it. You know, the, 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 the opposite of that behavior somewhere else. Like my dad's shit hanger for the rabbi's shit hanger, for example, I thought that was the most normal thing. I thought every kid had that. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like, oh, yeah, we, you got to go fetch the shit hanger. Until I went on, I think when I was 12 or 13, I went on vacation with the Kessler family and realized, no, people use plungers. Yeah. So, I mean, you, kids just normalize stuff. So I don't Why think, didn't you just buy a plunger? They're like, they're not, ex they're like $5 or whatever. My family wasn't rich, Harrison. Dollar General, <laughs> you know? You I don't know. Fucking, you know, I don't yeah. know why my, my father used a hanger over a plunger. I don't know why. Maybe it was something from the Holocaust. I don't know what. I don't know why, why we did that. But I thought I didn't think it was weird. I'll tell you that. Like when I would go, you know, when we'd be on vacation, I'd go fetch it out of his suitcase if he when hmm. he clogged the toilet. You know. Hmm. Um, I guess because yeah, I guess a plunger would um, suck the oxygen out of the. Uh, the cesspool this, that the Jews are hiding in. <laughs> That's right? probably why he used the That's hanger. That's why he does yeah. the hanger, yeah. yeah. You know, we learn from generations. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the neighbors knew, the Nora family was no different from anyone else. You know, she, she hid everything. All the abuse was completely undetected by the neighborhood, like kids and the family. But people knew that Teresa Nora was different from the other moms in the neighborhood. She, uh, they, like, uh, this, this, uh, Janet Garrett was a neighbor. She said she definitely had control of the kids. You never saw back talk or argument coming from any of them. Hmm. And if they were told to be in by a certain time, they were in. If they were told to do something, they did it. They never asked questions, which kind of blows my mind. I mean, I guess if you're abused for so many years, you know, that's, you develop that mentality. But I mean, wouldn't you tell your mom to fuck off? When? Like, if I was 12 and my mom was like, you got to be in at this, at this time, I'd be like, fuck you. No. I would have. I wouldn't have 
I wouldn't have given into that. But then again, if after years of abuse, Wait, your mom didn't give you a curfew. You wouldn't have given into a curfew. Is that what you're saying? No, but I mean, if she was like, "You got to do this now. You got to be in by this point," I wouldn't have listened to that. Oh. Like I would have been. I think I would have rebelled. I think it just mm. it would have been in my personality. My parents actually never. They were never like that. They never really. Mm. They weren't very authoritarian. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't have to live with my dad, but my dad was like, "You don't question," you know. Like he like would he fuck take out the belt like uh like in good times. Um, no, he more it's more more menacing. And hmm. if you, I've only like ever actually experienced the the violence maybe like twice, but the menacing is enough. Just the yelling he would stare and the at you. Oh, okay, would he stare at you menacingly? He'd threaten you like and yell at you oh. and threaten you with physical violence. That was enough. Yeah. You know, like you don't actually need. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to call his bluff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The terror was so bizarre, and the mother was so skilled at keeping it in the family that neighbors would have had to go like above and beyond to uncover it. So yeah, so people didn't even know what was going on. Um, Terry, the daughter, said when her mother, Teresa, got drunk, she would lick the ends of steak knives, serrated edge knives, and throw them at us to see if her aim was good. But it wasn't only knives that the mother Why would Why lick do. them, though? I don't know. She would lick okay. them and just, maybe to hold them better? I'm not sure. Um, this, is, this is a great story. Terry still blanches, remembering uh, her mother's voice one evening when she went in to say goodnight, and the mother, completely drunk, just completely intoxicated, sat with her eyes half closed. She motioned for Terry to approach. In her drunken stupor, Teresa howled at her shivering but stoic young daughter that uh, 15 years earlier, she pointed a gun at Clifford Sanders and pulled the trigger. And she owned two guns, a Derringer and a revolver. Um, She aimed, she took out one of the guns, aimed it at the girl and said, I shot once and I can do it again. And the girl froze up just standing there terrified. It was her husband that she shot. But she was exonerated from that. And then she told her to come up to her, and she did. And she put the gun to her head so hard that the next morning she woke up and she still had a knot from where the barrel had sunk into her temple. Damn. <laughs> Mommy drank. My mom sure did drink. Um, <laughs> That's why I have a one-man show about it. <laughs> she would beat us, lock us in our room for days, and then she'd be all lovey-dovey. So she was kind of schizo. Like she played the part of the mother, but she was also a sadistic uh, human being. But the old, as the children got older, though, they became more difficult to control. And that, that's kind of what I figured would happen. You know, as you got older, you'd be like, no, fuck you, mom. Like punch her in the face or something. You know, they wanted to visit friends. They didn't want to stay at home. And this is, this is bizarre. And I was trying to verify this because I got this from, uh, I think I looked this up on Murderpedia or something. But... The kids wanted to visit friends. They didn't want to be at home for forced readings from Ecclesiastes and It. That's it. the best thing Stephen ever King. Heard. Stephen King. Like, she made the kids sit down and they would have to listen to her read from It. That's great. <laughs> That's amazing. Pennywise the prophet. Yeah, could you imagine that? That's, that is great. Dude, I would have loved that over the Torah any day. Mm. Um, yeah, William said when we got to a certain age, we we're no longer permitted to go outside. We we're always grounded 
and that they had to stay indoors at all times. Uh, She even timed her children's visits to school, to the grocery store, to church, and she would administer violence if they were even a few minutes late. Um, The boys dreamed of their escape, but the older sisters were made to understand that they were different. They were girls, and for girls there was never an escape. And that's the thing. She treated her daughters much more harshly than the sons. And they said that part of the thing, part of the reason is just jealousy. Like she was jealous watching her daughters blossom into like young women. Hmm. And I think that was, that was most of it. I think um, that's pretty common. I mean, not necessarily the, the jealousy part, well, but the, the, brutalize the harshness your daughters. Because you're always more harsh with people that you're like, you know? Yeah, I guess if you're... Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, she probably saw herself in her daughters. And it's like every what is that? Every, like every fucking TV show or movie. It's like, it's like you didn't love me, Dad. You love Jerry more than me. It's like, <laughs> no, I was harder on you because you remind me of me when I was young. You uh, she would make all of her daughters go to the bathroom with her so she could keep an eye on them. Jesus Christ. Warned them not to talk to strangers. Mm. And even though she was still bigger than most of her kids, she would wield what she called it the board of education, which is a board about an inch thick and four feet long with a grip at one end that she used for punishment. Okay, that's hackneyed <laughs> and unoriginal. I'm sorry. <laughs> the board of education? Yeah. I know. Yeah. She was going so well. I mean, with it's one it. thing to, to be an abusive monster and a murderer, but it's another thing to be a hack. Okay. That's that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh she, well, yeah, but she was so unique with it, like making the kids See, listen yeah, to a reading that's... of it. But now yeah. she's got the board of education. Come on, yeah. that is. Well, happy. I you know, I guess they can't all be Big Bang Theories or whatever. So, okay. so as the kids got older, they weren't as scared of the board of education anymore. So that's when she used Howard, her oldest son, as her new tool of discipline. So when uh, you know, when the kids misbehaved, Howard held them down. And she would make all the kids beat the kid that was being held down. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she was like, it was like coordinated attacks on her children. Brutal. Absolutely this is like brutal. that kid that was like beaten to death. Um, Gabriel Fernandez or whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah, name. that, young, that yeah. young boy. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was all. We never do stories like that. Because no, they're just kind of, it's kind of hard to joke about terrible. it. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah can't really but, it. yeah. but I don't even, but you know, it doesn't matter how graphic and how violent the story is. We'll get like 10 listeners send it in and be like, this is right up your alley. Right. <laughs> Dive into this one. In an interview, Terry said her mother resented that Susan and Sheila were maturing and blossoming into young, attractive women while she faced the prospect of losing her looks as she aged. So she was definitely, uh, you know, a spiteful, jealous person. Um, so when, so Susan, who is the oldest daughter, she particularly despised Susan, mainly because she felt that her fourth husband, Chet Harris, who's uh, and the dissolution of that marriage put her over the edge. He felt that she turned Susan. He had turned Susan into a witch. So Susan received the worst of her abuse. Huh? Yeah. Uh, Susan actually, uh, after one severe beating, managed to escape from the home when she was like 14. She was picked up by police and then placed in a psychiatric hospital um, where she told the staff that her mother abused her. But then Nora denied the claims and the hospital staff was like, oh, Susan has mental issues. She's making this up. 
And so she released her back into mother's custody. And it was that night that, that Nor punished her by beating her to unconsciousness with a pair of leather gloves. Damn. She also forced her other children to take turns beating her. And in subsequent weeks, she then handcuffed Susan to her bed and ordered the children to stand watch over her, refusing to allow her to leave the home. And she made her drop out of school and everything. And so she had been convinced, like completely convinced, that Susan was casting spells on her, causing her to gain weight. Hmm. So one day she accused her of that, and she shot her in the chest with a twenty-two caliber pistol. The bullet had become lodged in her back, but, she, uh, but Nora refused to allow her to seek medical attention and left her for dead in the family bathtub. But uh, Susan survived. It's remarkable how people can survive these things. And uh, Nora began to nurse her back to health and even allowed her other daughters to aid Susan. Um, so Susan actually eventually recovered, but she had the bullet lodged in her back. Mm. And so uh, in 1984, this is two years after the shooting, they got into another major argument. And uh, during this time, Nora stabbed her daughter with a pair of scissors. And she again refused her to allow, uh, to allow Susan to have medical treatment. A few weeks after the stabbing, Susan was fed up with the abuse and decided to move to Alaska. And Nora agreed to let her go, provided that she would let her remove the bullet from her back. Hmm. Isn't this just, this is like, this is like a complete horror story. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm picturing like Kathy Bates just being like, I got to take that bullet out of your back. Right. Then you can leave. Um, so Susan reluctantly agreed. And so Nor uh, gave her, I don't even know what these are. Melaril, Melaril, M-E-L-L-A-R-I-L. Do you know what those are? No. They probably don't. When was this again? 90s? In 1984. Okay, yeah. They probably don't exist anymore. So Melaril capsules and mm. liquor as an anesthetic, which caused her to pass out. And while she was unconscious, uh, Nor made her 15-year-old son, Robert, Cut the bullet out with an exacto knife. Mm. God, it's gnarly. So gnarly. She woke in immense pain, and over the next few days, the uh, wound became septic, and she became delirious. But she still wouldn't uh, allow her to go to the hospital because she was worried that she'd be found. Damn. You know. And so, in uh, July sixteenth, nineteen eighty-four, Nora packed all of Susan's belongings in trash bags, bound her arms and legs placed duct tape over her mouth and ordered her sons to put Susan in the car. They then drove her to Squaw Valley, which is in Northern California, put her on, took her on the side of the road, put her on top of her bags containing her belongings and lit everything on fire. Susan's, yeah, Susan, an autopsy determined that she was still alive when she was lit on fire. Jesus. So burned to death. But the crazy thing about this is, and I don't know if this says something about our forensic investigators, but they couldn't make a positive identification on Susan. So they just <clears throat> classified her as Jane Doe, number 4873, hmm. which is kind of crazy. And uh, so, it might be because the, well, the parents burn. were crazy and never took them to a dentist. Oh, actually, you're usually, right. Usually, you burn people get identified through dental records. So, But if, yeah, if she had never gone to a dentist. Yeah. So after Susan's death, Sheila got the brunt of, uh, of her anger, of her mother's anger. Uh, Nor forced her daughter Sheila into prostitution to support the family. And I guess she was really successful as a prostitute. And at mm. first, uh, you know, Teresa was happy that her daughter was making all this money. But after a few weeks, she accused her of giving her an STD. 
she caught it from the toilet seat, which could have happened. Hmm. You know, I mean, you can catch, they're communicable like that. Um, so she beat her, hugged tighter, locked her in a closet with no ventilation, and she for, forbid the other kids to go near her, although Terry ended up giving her a beer. But uh, after, and she was trying to force her to confess. And I guess the girl did confess. Confessed to being pregnant and having an STD. Still wouldn't let her out of the closet. So the girl eventually uh, died of dehydration, starvation. And she left her in there for like a week until the smell became unbearable. Yeah, this woman was like completely evil. Hmm. I mean, if, if you were growing up in a house like this mm-hmm. and your mother was torturing a kid, like locking him in the closet, wouldn't you like... Would you feel obliged to say something? That's what I don't understand. Like, if I was talking about, if okay, if I was, if my oldest sister is being locked in a closet and and starving to death, if I was going to church, I would tell the priest, I'd be like, "Hey, my mom's locking this kid in the closet." Well, not not if your entire like you've been like, you know, completely brainwashed by this person who's probably already told you like, oh, the second you tell somebody what's going on, the process is like you get buried alive or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, so maybe, you think like that's what'll happen. So you won't do it. I mean, that's probably what happened, but right. I mean, these kids are and just I mean, like, and to be honest, Stockholm I mean, like Syndrome. the, the, like what would happen probably be better, but it wouldn't be that great. You know, like going to a youth home. That's not good. Yeah. But I mean, you're not going to, be tortured by your mother putting That's guns true. to your forehead um so the kid died it was decomposing in the closet she made her two sons robert and william who burned the last kid the last uh, their older sister um they made her carry out her corpse out of the house and put her in like a cardboard box which they disposed of like out in the woods near Truckee, california mm. and her body was discovered a few hours later but it had been disposed decomposed to such a point that once again they couldn't identify the corpse Hmm. so now we got Jane Doe 6607 but yeah I mean I guess you you got this decomposed corpse and dental records that you can't even you're like you can't identify so so after that uh, because the smell of the uh, decomposing flesh still lingered in the apartment she had her uh, daughter Terry burn down the apartment with some lighter fluid um, but unfortunately, neighbors stopped the fire before it spread. I love how she lives in an apartment building with other people, but yet she's like, let's just burn down the apartment. Right. You know, <laughs> why not? Evil. Um, but yeah, they, they ended up stopping it. Uh, but at this point, uh, she like, you know, after, uh, you know, after the fire damage and investigators were, were coming to, to look at the unit, she went into hiding. Uh, most of her surviving children were then of legal age, so they severed their ties with their mother, except for uh, the youngest child, 16-year-old Terry, also left the mother's care, but not poor Robert. Robert was 19. He stayed with his mom. And so Teresa and Robert moved to Vegas and kind of kept a low profile. However, Robert Knorr in 1991 fatally shot a bartender during an attempted robbery, so he was sentenced to prison anyway. Yeah. But this is, the, this is the strange part, how she got caught here, the aftermath. So Terry Knorr, the youngest daughter, who was obviously witness to years of abuse of her sisters and the murder you know, of her two older sisters, 
She attempted to report the murder to the Utah police because she was living in Salt Lake City, uh, but they dismissed the stories as fiction, as did a therapist that she went to. Whoa. Like, no one believed her. Hmm. And so it wasn't until she contacted, in 1993, America's Most Wanted, which is crazy. Remember that show? Is oh, that yeah. even still on? <laughs> I think it still is, actually. What was that guy's name? Is Walsh. John Walsh. John Walsh. He's Adam Walsh's son father. Does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, right. Adam Walsh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when Adam Walsh died, I was living in Florida at that time. Was Wasn't that he, like 1983 or something? I think it was 81. It was right, huh. be, it was right before Jesus. we moved to South Africa. Okay. And God, that, that terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> and I think my parents were like wielding that story to terrify the shit out of their kids. Because wasn't his like severed head found in like a rowboat or something um, like that? It was something like horrific. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And like he mm. met him at, met him, met the kid at a store and let him out of the store. Well, so anyway, uh, America's Most Wanted did a segment about these two Jane Does who were found in like the Placer County, Northern California area in 1984-1985, and she called and gave detailed stories of her sister's deaths, and they concluded that she was telling the truth. And after doing an investigation, they ended up finding uh, that, you know, the mother, uh, the mother wasn't, was, uh, was, you know, accused of, uh, of murder here, of murdering mm. her kids. They tracked the mother down. She was arrested at her home in Salt Lake City. Uh, Nor's son, William, also arrested in Woodland, California, and then Robert Nor. I uh, was charged with the sister's murders as he was serving a 16-year sentence for shooting that bartender. Hmm. Uh, so in 1993, Nora was officially charged with two counts of murder and two counts of conspiracy to commit murder and two special circumstance charges, multiple murder and murder by torture. Uh, she initially pled not guilty, uh, but then made a, a plea deal to avoid the death penalty. So she's actually eligible for parole in 2027. Wow. Yeah, she got two life sentences, two consecutive life sentences, but she's eligible for parole. Doubt she'll get it. But uh, yeah. she's currently in Chino. I'd be able to get an interview with her. Wow. Uh, William, the older brother, was sentenced to probation and ordered to undergo therapy. And uh, the prosecution ended up dropping all charges against Robert Nord Jr., the younger brother, um, because he's already serving 16 years in prison anyway. Hmm. But yeah, fucking crazy story. Crazy story. But that's what I feel happens when you're trapped with your family for months on end. As brutal as that story is, it's like it's like a it's like a nice um, escape from the coronavirus. <laughs> you know, I think it's a story. cautionary tale. Yeah, that's what I think. Right. I don't know. After like, believe me, like right now we're getting the funny stories of people like fighting over toilet paper, or we did do a story about a guy who shot a family screaming end of days. I think in two months from now, after people are isolated with their families, there's going to be like a full domestic violence situation, murder, suicide, the whole home. Mm. I think those that's coming. Guaranteed. Will it be as, uh, as bad as Teresa Noor? I don't know. But hey, I, I don't think it would have been that bad to sit around and listen to your mom, you know, force you to hear her read chapters from It. <laughs> <laughs> as long as she doesn't make me watch the movie, I'm cool. Yeah, I mean, even the the nineteen ninety movie is all right. Yeah, you know? but those two new the remakes. Oh my god! Ugh, avoid so that. Bad. Anyway, mm. people's episode seven thirty one here is sick and wrong. We have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a little later in the show. 
Uh, before we get to that, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hello, Sick and Wrong patrons. In case you haven't noticed, and judging by the numbers you haven't, Sick and Wrong has their very own Patreon page, where you can find outtakes, extra stories, extra phone calls, and a whole lot more. These guys are putting out at least another hour to a week of additional content. To put it in perspective, here are some things that are more expensive than a $5 a month membership on Patreon. A pack of smokes. A value meal at any drive-thru. One $6 whore. Three $2 whores. A $10 crack rock. A six-pack of beer. A beer at pretty much any club. One movie ticket. Two joints. And two gallons of petrol. Hell, when you break it up, it costs less than 17 cents a day. And that's cheaper than feeding a starving African child. So sign up and help these Jews continue to craft the fine podcast we all enjoy so much today. So the first story we have here has to do with a Japanese man who murdered 19 disabled people. Uh, this happened a few years ago, 2016. A complete stabbing rampage in Yokohama hmm. in a care home for disabled people. Um left 19 residents dead and 26 injured. That's like, I mean, this guy's like a fucking samurai or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, seriously, he's got like fucking two knives, goes in there and fucks that many people up. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I d- doubt that would happen in the U.S. Well, we'd probably use a gun anyway. Yeah. Um, Satoshi Umatsu, a 30-year-old former employee of a care facility in... Outside of Tokyo, I don't even want to pronounce this. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. He admitted to killing the killings and hearings during his uh, trial at Yokohama District Court. He insisted that people with disabilities who are unable to communicate do not have human rights. It's a controversial hmm. viewpoint, but shared by the Nazis, I'm sure. Um, Edge Lord. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, they don't have human rights, they can't communicate. Yeah. Uh, They sentenced Umatsu to death by hanging this week. Hmm. Uh, The judge, Kiyoshi Anuma, said this crime was premeditated and there is strong evidence of the desire to kill. The maliciousness of this was extreme. Extreme maliciousness. All right. Yep. Uh, Umatsu was dressed in a black suit with his long hair tied back in a ponytail. He sat looking calmly at the judge during the court session, and the room was filled with family members of the victims. So that must have been pleasant. Uh, Prosecutors were demanding the death penalty, while the defense team were arguing that he was mentally incompetent and shouldn't be held criminally responsible for his actions. They claimed that his personality had shifted since 2015 when he started using marijuana. He said that tr- that triggered his mental disorder in the attack. Hmm. I don't know if I believe that. It's not easy to get marijuana over there. I mean, maybe if you know. People. I mean, if you have mental illness, I guess it could, you know, exacerbate shit. Yeah, I suppose. Hmm. But uh, in demanding capital punishment, the prosecutor cited the large number of victims and Umatsu's discriminatory remarks against people with disabilities. So this guy had a history of talking shit about the disabled. Not quite sure where it all stemmed from, but I guess uh, Japanese people are very prejudiced against disabled people in general. 
which I didn't really think about, but Japanese people have weird prejudices. Yeah. Like they're very racist, very xenophobic. Yes. And uh, I mean to foreigners, but even to like, you know, even to like people from Korea and China, it's like any, anyone from like that whole area, they hate everybody. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, with their own people, you know, they're, they're prejudiced against the elderly and they're prejudiced against the disabled. I thought they honored the elderly or whatever. Oh, I guess, I guess feeble elderly. Okay. Yeah. When you're feeble and you're disabled. Uh, they're against, yeah, I guess they, I mean, they, they honor your able-bodied old people. They honor okay. them. <laughs> I see. Um, the identities of most of those killed have not been revealed by the families. Reportedly, because most of these people don't want to reveal to the public that they have a disabled relative, which is crazy. Hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, in Japan, you don't see handicap ramps. You don't really see disabled toilets. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Like, uh, at most, I mean, you would at hotels hmm. or like a chain restaurant, but if you went to like a bar or just a regular restaurant, it's like, yeah, I don't know what you'd do if you're disabled. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, but apparently there's a major stigma in the country for disabled people. So the attack occurred on July 26, 2016. Mr. Uematsu drove to Sukhoi Yamayuri Care Facility outside of Tokyo. And I, apparently he had worked there for a period of time. He went there armed with several knives. He entered one of the buildings by breaking a window and just began randomly attacking sleeping residents, just one by one in their rooms. Hmm. Now that's cowardly. It's not like they can run away. You know, what, what, so you're saying like if he did it in like the day room, that'd yeah. be fine. Well, at least okay. then they'd be in their mobility scooters or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like doing it while they're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, his 19 victims aged between 19 and 70 and another 25 people were wounded, 20 of them serious, seriously. And he took, uh, I guess staff there. He tied them to like a banister. It's like he bound them to a banister. And then started stabbing everybody else. Hmm. Um, shortly after the attack, he ended up handing himself in at a police station in Tokyo. Um, and then after, uh, you know, after the investigation started, it emerged that a few months prior to the attack, Mr. Uematsu personally delivered a letter to Japan's parliament saying that he would kill up to 470 severely disabled people if authorized. God damn. Yeah, he just walked into Parliament and was just like, you guys give me the thumbs up, we're all good. <laughs> 470, here's my letter, just let me know what you think. But like, why was he so into it? Because he said, I want Japan to be a country where the mm. disabled can be euthanized. Hmm. That's, that was his thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, well. Some people get into microbrews, you know? <laughs> <laughs> This guy. Yeah, this guy is just All like, right. he just wants mm. to uh, euthanize the disabled. Mm. Uh, he All defended right. himself, arguing that his actions don't deserve the death penalty. He said he wanted to eradicate all disabled people. Um, and uh, he did turn himself into the police because of it. But he, he feels strongly that disabled people shouldn't be allowed to live. Right. Um, 
it also emerged after the the whole letter thing. I love how like this guy shows up to Japan's parliament, handle hand hands a government official a letter saying, "I'll kill four hundred seventy people," and they don't even call the police. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, isn't that odd? Mm. Like they don't even say like, "Hey, maybe we should have somebody look into this." I think it's because shit like that is rare, you know. In Japan, it just doesn't happen, probably, yeah. Mm. But I guess it emerged that he had left his job at the home months earlier uh, because he had told a bunch of colleagues that he was planning to kill all the disabled people at the facility. So once he told these people that, uh, they forcibly hospitalized him. So he delivered the letter to Parliament. Nothing happened. And then he was at work saying, you know what, I'm going to kill all the disabled people here, just so you guys know. And they're like, okay. And that's when they, he was forcibly hospitalized. But he was discharged after only 12 days when a doctor determined that he was not a threat. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and he had also written a letter while he was being hospitalized, like outlining his plan to attack the home with knives, claiming that disabled people only create unhappiness. Hmm. I wonder what happened. Like, did this guy, like, get run over by, like, his toes broken by one of those mobility scooters or something? Yeah, must have been that. Like, what happened? Did he get a, mm. a ticket for parking in a handicapped space? <laughs> like, I, I don't get what gives That'll you this kind of it. grudge. I mean, that's enough to, yeah, definitely. Just, like, get some knives and start killing mm. people? Um, among the victims here uh, was a 19-year-old woman named Miho, whose mother, I guess, had said at the court, that Yumatsu didn't deserve a future. She said, I hate you so much, I want to rip you apart. Even the most extreme penalty is light for you. I'll never forgive you. Um, Umatsu, during the entire trial, showed not even a modicum of remorse. Hmm. Yeah, he still maintained, even on the stand, that people with mental disabilities have no heart and that for them, there's no point in living. He said, I did this for the sake of society. So he feels he's like a martyr or something. Hmm. Um, he said he was primarily influenced by the ideas of Nazi Germany and Adolf Hitler, uh, whose killings of disabled people were seen as actions intended to improve what was described as a master race. And, and he, also the musical oeuvre of uh, Bob Seger yeah. was also a big influence on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Bob Seger, yeah, definitely. Yep. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he was listening to that in his iPod while stabbing the disabled people. <laughs> um, Just take those old records <laughs> off the shelf. You know, that song would make me kill. Yeah. Now turn the page. I could kill some disabled people with that one. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Umatsu uh, believes shocked Japan, and experts and activists were raising questions about whether other people in society might hold these views. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of Japanese people that are just like, fuck the disabled people. Mm. You know, who are probably just prejudiced. They're prejudiced against weird stuff over there. It's a strange culture. Um, apparently, I guess uh, this year they're supposed to have the Paralympic Games and the Olympics, which I think are going to be postponed now. Um, but uh, yeah, they're uh, they're planning on increasing accessibility all over Tokyo, uh, you know, to plan for the Paralympic Games. But who knows what's happening now? But some critics feel the country still falls short of including people with disabilities. Yeah, I noticed that when I was there that uh, 
It's not a very disabled-friendly uh, city. Whereas here, like, if you open a restaurant, you're not going to get, like, a license if it's not, uh, you know, accessible. Right. So, but yeah, there you go. Guy got sentenced to death in the uh, that prison that doesn't inform you of when you're going to die. You know that one? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we, we did this a while ago on Sick and mm. Wrong, but... Uh, yeah, there's a prison in Japan, and the way they do capital punishment there is you can be on death row for a year or 20 years, and you never know when you're going to die. It's like that morning, those come to your cell being like, yep, it's your time, and then now, they bring you to a room and hang you. The question is, are there pr- other prisons in Japan where they do capital punishment differently? I think, I think or, that's how they do capital punishment there in general. In general. Okay, yeah, all right. Fair I think. Enough. But uh, like that's what happened to that guy from uh, who, what was the name of that cult that released the gas? Um, the gas? Yeah, I'm um, mm. These guys were on were on death row for I don't know decades until one mm-hmm. day they're like, oh, it's time you're gonna get hung," and I don't think you're allowed to witness it or anything. You're just taken to a room with like a false floor, and they just like, you know, let go of the tile and then you just hang. I actually don't think that's a bad idea. Like personally, to to not tell the, yeah. Like, would you, you want to know? Like well, I you mean, have, you don't like, really know. I mean, as it is now, you do. Like, you don't know how long appeals are going to take. Yeah, that's true. They could take six months. They could take three years. You don't know. But I mean, some yeah. of these guys, they keep getting their court date pushed back mm-hmm. and pushed back. I just feel like it's like giving you false hope, as opposed to like you're going to die eventually. It's just going to happen just randomly. I don't, right. I wonder if they draw your name out of a hat, like how that works, like with chopsticks yeah. or something. Who knows? Uh, what do you have here for the second story? All right. For my, whoa. <laughs> wow. Are you like preparing? Is that like a vocal exercise? No, I, I, for some reason I said Vermont without pronouncing the V. Oh. And I don't even know how I did that, but. Yeah. Ermont. Ermont. Vermont. Vermont woman allegedly sucked boyfriend's neck, then drank tea in bloody apartment. Wow, is that a Matthew Sweet song? It is, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I always remember. Like that it, one. Remember you had that music video with the the anime? Yeah, was what like was the it? Only person. Girlfriend. It was like girlfriend. Something. Yeah, that yeah. yeah. That's good. And I wonder what this video looked like. Um. Uh, it would probably be, you know, like uh, kill a kill or whatever the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Avril Beliveau allegedly waited two days to report her boyfriend's death. A Vermont woman has pleaded not guilty to murder charges after police say she slit her boyfriend's throat and then falsely claimed that it was self-defense. Did you uh, look up uh, her mugshot? I did not. You, I think you would probably, I think, put it this way, I think she'd play a starring role in your masturbation theater. Really? Yeah. Hmm. She's That's, got those uh, crazy eyes. Like, she would definitely stab you in the dick. Oh, hell yeah. I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, but she's definitely got some, she, she, you know, it really, it's one, she's one of these women where it really depends on the hairstyle. Yeah, she's kind of got that, like, report you to the manager hairstyle going on there you know like karen like like a barbecue becky 
Yeah. Wait, who's Karen? I don't know. The Karen's like, I think from the meme, it's like Karen oh. with her short blonde hair. I'm going to, can you get the manager, please? I see. I gotcha. She's got one of those going on. She's, uh, some of these, yeah, she's, some of these, she's got the hair where it's like, you can't tell if she's got like white dreads or if she's just dirty. Ugh. I you guess know. I didn't see that picture. I kind of like that hairstyle. <laughs> I don't, with women. I don't know what I, <laughs> yeah, it's like a particular thing. I'm sure it actually is hard to pull off. But anyway, um, she pleaded guilty to, no, sorry, she pleaded not guilty to murder charges after police say, uh, yeah. So um, she's 30 years old. She appeared via video on court on Monday where she entered a plea in response to one count of second degree murder. One so count. she's she's accused of murdering her boyfriend, 45 year old Cameron Failing on Thursday in their studio apartment. Hmm. Troopers weren't called They lived to in a home. studio? Yeah. God, could you imagine? And in Vermont, too. Ah, and for, know, yeah, like, how much did that cost? Like 200 bucks a month? Yeah, my God. A fucking studio in Vermont. So, um, yeah, so she killed him on Thursday. Troopers weren't called to the home until Saturday. Hmm. There was a disturbance report. Um, and they arrived to found, find him dead in the home, and she was, well, she was fine. Police alleged that after killing Failing, Beliveau traveled to her parents' home uh, where she changed clothes and then returned home to go to sleep. She did not contact police until 7 a.m. on Saturday when she called 911 and allegedly admitted to having slit his neck but claimed that she did so out of self-defense. Slit his neck. It's kind of hard to slice someone's neck out of self-defense. It's, yeah. I can understand yeah. stabbing somebody. So she said that uh, he was choking her during a fight. And she slit oh, his I guess throat. If, she, if he had both his hands, he's kind of mm. in close proximity, so she could probably just pick up a knife. Still, you'd be more likely to stab someone in the neck out of self-defense, right? Yeah, than just like slicing mm. right through their, yeah. you know, their, their juggler. That's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, she, she uh, reportedly admitted that she and Failing would routinely argue over chores and him not helping her buy marijuana. Ooh, well, I can understand some, that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like, that's the source of many an argument amongst couples in California. Yeah. Although. How, how many, how many did you have this week? Oh, at were... least four. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, yeah. Although chores. Like, what are the chores in the studio apartment? Could you imagine how disgusting that studio apartment must look like? They're stoners. They're stoners, okay. and they live in yeah. a studio. Okay, fair enough. It's like covered in animal crackers, mm. cheese whiz. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. Mm. God. Um, nutter butters. Nutter butters, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so the police say that they did not find any evidence that Failing assaulted her. Uh, but failing did, in fact, have defensive wounds. That's also Fa failing's the the boyfriend, right? Yeah, yeah. So he had. So How do you she get defensive wounds for when somebody's slitting your throat? Well, she probably beat the shit out of him first. Uh, you think so? Oh. Yeah, I bet you she was attacking him, and he was just like trying to defend himself, and then she just was slit his throat like a ninja. I, you, I, I, yeah, I imagine it a stealth thing. So you don't beat somebody up; you just. You know, sneak up behind them. You know. Well, I wonder. I wonder if like she was mad because she went to go smoke some weed, 
nothing's left. The bag's mm-hmm. empty, you know? And then she goes up and they get into an argument. She starts beating him. And then uh, he like pushes her away. She goes to the bathroom and then realizes, you know, she still doesn't have any weed and just goes out and slices his throat. Like slits his throat right there. Oh, while he's sitting okay. there watching fucking- The Bachelor. I don't know, The Bachelor. Yeah. Or uh, the Venture Brothers or something. I don't know what. Mm. Rick and Morty. He probably is into Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, definitely. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's what Sooner's um, like. Yeah. Um, so they believe it was premeditated. Uh, Belleville allegedly admitted to police that she killed Failing by concealing the knife behind her and then walking up to him. Damn. Ooh, uh, behind her back. And she purchased the knife uh, weeks before carrying out the deed, apparently. So the, uh, Belvo then allegedly returned home, slept in the same room where Phelan was stabbed and waited two days before calling for help. Wait a second. She purchased the knife. Did she purchase like a special knife? Like why didn't she just use a fucking steak knife or something? You don't want to use a steak knife. Like a serrated edge steak knife? That I can't work? tell you how much... how. Mi- I- it would be hard for me to estimate how much time I've spent in the last five years standing in front of the bathroom mirror with a knife tightly held to my throat. Uh, like, I don't, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to, you know, to estimate that. You know what I'm saying? That's a Saturday um, night for you. Yeah, but it's like you, you know, you know how like on TV it'd be like some, oh, somebody has a knife to somebody's throat and then they pull it away and then they have a cut it's fucking hard it's hard to get a cut i've actually well, done slicing motions and there's nothing um you know sharp enough sharp is a, sharper than a steak knife i'll tell you that much i didn't realize you're a cutter are you listening to like blood on the dance floor when you do this yeah that's what i yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what that is that's some i don't know <laughs> i'm not a cutter i'm not a cutter i'm just a. uh a suicide contemplator. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I listened to the the ballad of Lucy Jordan. You know, <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering if you had like Super Tramp on in the background. Yeah, and you just got the knife to your throat, be like, wait, wait, get take off. a look at my girlfriend, girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> it's an exercise. Yeah, you know, not? yeah, everyone needs a hobby. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't show up on my Fitbit, but uh, it's something. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so she slept in the same room where he was stabbed, waited two days, called for help. When police arrived, they found Belvo sitting in the apartment, sipping tea, surrounded by blood everywhere. Jeez, was she Harley Quinn or something? Yeah, I think oh, so. God, <laughs> she's yeah. sitting in a room just sipping tea uh, in a blood-soaked like room. <laughs> Change places. Yeah. <laughs> You're very late. Yeah. To the tea party. Yeah. The tea party mm. started 30 minutes ago. Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what what do you do at that point? Taser? Definitely a taser. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, but that's what she's expecting, mm-hmm. you know. When police responded to the home, oh wait, I did that already. Um, uh, they found her drinking tea, even though the apartment was covered in blood, uh, sparking concerns regarding her mental health. <laughs> God, there was like a she... red flag there. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was a serious red flag. She's in a blood soaked room. Yeah. You know, was his corpse there? 
Yeah. Yeah, so she's like having a tea party with a corpse. These Vermont cops are real sharp. <laughs> They're like, something about this was wrong. Yeah, I've seen Newhart. I yeah. I know they are in Vermont. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. My God. Daryl and his other brother, Daryl. Daryl, yes. Daryl, my other brother, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she could be a, quote, danger to the public, the state's attorney said. <laughs> the Chittenden County state's attorney. She could be a danger to the public, guys. Well, not if she's on, not if she's on weed. Yeah. Like if she has enough Someone, weed, I think she's fine. She get a fucking refund at law school. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, following the completion of an autopsy, uh, they said he died. He died from the wounds to the neck. Surprisingly, and it's a homicide. So, oh, yeah, she in jail now. I wonder what his family said. It's like, I always knew that chick was psycho. Mm. You know? It's like, I told you not to date her, Mm. but you're too lazy to get rid of her. I mean, if if anybody just like um, regularly quotes lines from Alice in Wonderland, as I imagine (laughs) this woman did, that's a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Send your story, sickroundpodcast at gmail.com. Or post them on the Discord. I kind of like how people are doing that these days. Oh, yes. That's kind of cool. Um, we have some phone calls coming up next. Before we get to that, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. This is Trucker Paul. I got to tell you about this wonderful porno place where you can buy jack-off machines, dildos, inflatable wives. I bought them all. When I go home, I like to diddle my wife with a a little dildo. When I'm on the road, I got my second wife, my blow-up doll, and my jack-off sleeve. Go to adamandeve.com. Type in the word diddle, D-I-D-D-L-E, and you'll get 50% off all your masturbation machines. How do y'all flick my balls? I put a spell on you. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number uh, to the sick and wrong drunk dial line. Kind of said that like Trump. Drunk dial line. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the first call is from, uh, remember that guy Kenneth? They called in that was really into you? I don't think his name was Kenneth. I think we called him Ke- Kenneth called or him. Uh, Squidward or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that guy called back. Okay. Oh, boy. Hey, Dean Harrison. Oh, I was just calling. Um, I was wondering, what kind of porn do you guys like to jerk off oh to? Oh, my God. I mean, I just <laughs> love you guys so much. I know it's a little bit of a silly question, but oh, my God. Harrison, I feel like I have a deep emotional connection to you. Like, we're, we were brothers separated at birth. I know you were adopted. Did you think maybe that that maybe maybe we could be long-lost separated brothers? I just want to jerk off to the same porn you guys do while I'm wearing your cock as a skin dildo. Oh, man. What did he say? What? He said, while well, I'm wearing your cock as a skin dildo? Oh, yeah. Is that what he said? Yes, that's what he said. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, guys. I know this call's really <laughs> silly. Huh. 
Oh, man. What the fuck was about that guy? Like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm a weirdo degenerate, but that guy, that guy's coming to murder you. Yeah. Both of you. Like, especially... Is this Colonel Angus? Um, Sounds like him. Yes, that does sound like him. I don't know if it is, but... Harrison, you're fucked. Like, that Squidward fucking Kenneth or whatever the fuck his name was, they're, he's coming for you. I'd watch Watch your back. For real. Fuck. Keep it sick, keep it wrong, but not as fucking sick and wrong as that fucking weirdo. I wholeheartedly agree with that guy. Yeah. You know what's weird, though? I, I think I'd I'd rather be killed by someone like Batman villain or boner villain than, than be Kenneth? killed by Squidward. Yeah. Well, I think Squidward wouldn't kill you. I think Squidward would have keep like me a, alive. Yeah, he'd, kind of, he'd have yeah. like a cell like that mm. uh, show you where you're just trapped in there so he could talk to you and you could be his friend. He could just have yeah. you, Yep. you know, whenever, whenever he's just like whenever he wants you to say something witty, he could come down and talk to you because you're a special friend. Fifty Shades of Harrison. That's what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Um, yeah. No, that guy was creepy as hell. Really mm. was. All right, uh, the next two calls are pretty interesting. We've had uh, these longtime listeners call in recently and just remark about the show. And I remember before, like when Harrison first started, they would call in and talk shit about Harrison. But now they call in and they praise you. Oh. I like that. These same people, you mean? I don't know. Longtime oh, okay. listeners. I'm I using see. them as like a conglomerate. I see. Hey, second long. I am Ian. I have never fucking called in before, but I want to let you guys know that I listened to you guys back in like, fuck, I don't know, like 2007, man. And I was like 13 years old back then, shit. And uh, I used to listen to you guys like on my iPod in fucking middle school, and everyone would just make. <laughs> <laughs> I always find that hilarious when you get these guys that are like in fucking junior high and they're listening to Sick and Wrong. Yeah. God. The things we must have exposed him to. Fun mm. of me. And I stopped listening to you guys like way back when, whenever that fucking was because of, uh, I guess. He, when he got a girlfriend, probably. Mm. That was when, uh, that was when like D moved to, uh, LA. And it was like Wackerly and D were like talking on, uh, we're talking on fucking Skype. And the call, the call quality just got like hella shitty for a little bit. I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to listen to this. All right, I'm offended. I think a lot of people didn't even know that uh, that we were remote for a okay. while. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I first moved down, because Wackily recorded his own track, so a lot of people didn't even realize that we were remote for a while until like they realized, you know, I was talking about L.A. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, sorry I stopped listening, but I just found you guys on Spotify like recently. And I've been listening to all of it. I'm just fucking blown away that you guys are at like post 700 episodes. Cause I was listening to you back when, uh, around like when it was like the hundredth episode, I think. And you, uh, you called up, uh, Bob Manigan and he was just like, he was like really fucked up and you thought it was going to be like some funny ass call and it wasn't. It was like super awkward. So yeah, I tell people, I told people about you guys. So like hopefully you get some new, uh, some new listeners out of me. Maybe, um, I bought your Patreon like a $20 package. Cause I fucking love you guys. Anyway, um, I might have some stories to call in, or I might annoy the fuck out of you. I don't know, but uh, keep it sick, keep it wrong. Talk to you guys later. Yeah, there was that one time when uh, we like had Bob on the show, and then Bob's wife had, got upset because I had gotten him so drunk, 
and I yeah. you know, dropped him back off at home. And then Wackerly and I made fun of his wife's prosthetic limb. Like she was right. missing a leg. Okay. I don't know why, but we made this whole thing about it. And it turned out Bob's friends didn't listen to the episode that Bob was on, but he listened to the episode where me and Wackerly were slagging on Bob's wife's missing leg. Mm. And so Bob was really upset. And he was such a he was such a good guy. Like he was a guy with a golden he was a kid a good heart, that guy. You know, mm. rest in power. But so anyway Rest that, in power? Yeah, you ever heard that? No. That's what all the metal guys say. Rest in power. But anyway, uh, we called him and apologized to him and his wife. Hmm. You know, it was so fucking awkward. <laughs> it was just awkward. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, it, it was humbling, though, at the same time. You know, you realize that. Yeah. We did, a, I remember, I don't know if it was... I don't think you were on the show we did that. I remember one year for the holiday episode. Were you on that show? I don't know. No, you probably weren't. Wackerly and I, I think it was Wackerly and I, we called up everyone that we had wronged over the years. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, that was like the bit for the holiday show. Or we, I forget when it was. It was a long time ago. But we like called everybody and just kind of apologized for being dicks. Hmm. But yet, we're still dicks. So I don't know if that ever really happened anyway thank you there long time listener uh we have another long time listener who called in sick and wrong what's up it's, uh scorch in austin long time listener going way back shit i think i still have stickers from quote-unquote winning entries back in the day anyway yeah that was something that i don't even know why we did that like if someone sent in a story and we read the story, we would send them stickers. Like what the fuck? What podcast does that? That is weird. Yeah. I don't know why. Like we thought if if you send a story and we read your story and gave you credit, we'll send you stickers. You know how much money that fucking costs? Mm. I can't believe a Jew would do that. It's been a, uh, a lot of old callers calling in recently, folks that have been listening for a long time. Uh, I just wanted to call in because I don't think I have since I gave Harrison shit about saying you know what I mean too much. You know what I mean? And, remember uh, that? I just wanted to say I you guys remember are that. really Yeah. Some guy called in and was it was I forget when that was a while ago. Uh, that was when I that was when I that when I trimmed it down to you know and said <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> How do you? That was consciously the best I could do. do. I really tried. That was the best I could do. It's so hard to do that though, because mm. it's unconscious. You know, you're yeah. just saying it. You know, know what I mean? Taking ass lately, enjoying it. Harrison, man, really stepped up and and goddamn man, really enjoying it. Uh, please don't kill yourself because you're kicking ass, man. <laughs> Makes me not even miss Wackerly at all. But anyway, just wanted to give you all a shout out. Say two Jew calls are better than one. And uh, look forward to every week. Y'all take it sleazy. Peace. So Scorch calls back for a part two. Jesus Christ. This is Scorch in Austin again. Is calling back because I forgot what I was originally going to say. And that's probably because I had a few drinks with some old Austin friends tonight that I hadn't seen in a while. And that's why I'm calling the goddamn drunk dial line. Anyway, uh, the reason I was calling originally 
was to say one of the things I most appreciate these days is Harrison's singing headlines. The musician, man, I got to say, it's really fun to listen to you interpret headlines into ridiculous melodies, and I love it. So keep it up, brother, and uh, y'all have a good evening. Peace out. See, I was telling you about that. Yes. Yeah, some listeners really do enjoy your jingles. Yeah. I'm um, glad. Well, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, there, there there's definitely uh, one that got me doing it every time because they used to just do it sometime. And then there's there is there's one particular listener in London who was who get upset like if I didn't do it every time. So then I started doing it every time. Yeah, it, it was. I remember. I do recall you like sometimes you just read it. But yeah. then uh, lately it's been, and I appreciate the jingle. I appreciate mm. the jingle. Anyway, I'm not the only one that appreciates the jingle, obviously. Uh, Scorch does, as well as Andy, a listener here who uh, is very talented. Oh, very yeah. talented. Now, I love that when uh, we have listeners that will do something so creative that you're just like, God, we have like a very talented fan base. Like yes. People who can just do stuff. And this guy, I mean, this guy can be a DJ for like, I don't know, like Tupac or something. Uh, he's good. He uh, he wrote in. He goes, D, dear or D Lil Yachty. Yeah, or Lil you know? Yachty. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he says, dear D and Harrison, I was bored the other day, so I decided to make some music using some of the bits of the podcast where Harrison expertly croons the headline to his news story. I hope he keeps doing this, as I really enjoy making these, and I want to do more in the future. I hope you enjoy. Keep up the fantastic podcasting. Cheers, Andy. And you were you were saying you know Andy's SoundCloud, right? Yeah, I think it's a eight bit Beat Boy, I believe. Eight bit um, Beat Boy with an and eight. eight is the number eight. Numeral eight. Yeah. Um, this guy's really talented. He really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was quite impressed. He sent these in. I listened to it and I immediately forwarded you the email because I was like, you got to check this out. It's hilarious. It kind of made my week. Yeah. Oh, so, so funny. And so he remixed and I mean, he must be using, I don't know, Logic or Ableton. And some people can do this. It's beyond me. I would never be able to, I I don't have this kind of technical prowess, musical prowess to do something like this. You don't know. You don't even realize how much you sounded like a grandpa when you're like, he could be producing for Tupac. (laughs) <laughs> that's the point that was like, oh okay all right i tried I to sound like trump he I could gotcha. be like tupac he could okay. do this for the black eyed peas yeah sometimes no, i don't know what <laughs> sometimes i don't know what if, if i'm doing you know if i'm being i did sound like a grandpa because i yeah. almost am that age if you think yeah. about it i could, could definitely do it for little baby but not dub baby he could do it for little dicky you seen that guy's show? No. Oh, God, it's terrible. It's called mm. Dave or something. It's mm. terrible. It's on, you know, I'm sure people like it out there, but I thought it was terrible. Anyway, this guy is talented, though, and this is really funny. We're going to play. He sent us like 10 of these clips. Uh, we're going to play the three, three of them on the main show. We're going to play the rest on Patreon. So you just go to Patreon. You can hear the rest. And we're also going to post them all to Patreon so you can check them out later. Uh, but here's the first one he sent in. Hilarious. I am a man accused of holding woman captive. You know, forcing her to watch roots to understand her racism. Alright, I am 
like an effective technique. You're gonna watch Roots. I'm gonna staple you to a table, and you're gonna watch that movie. So good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love what it picks up. Too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the beat amazing. Is great. All right, here. Uh, I think this one might be my personal favorite. Yeah. Even though they're all really good, this might be my personal favorite. A man who uncovered his girlfriend's plot to kill, 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 kill. We had sex, then she asked me to murder her ex. But I still love her, but I still love her. Her former husband has revealed how she told him about her murderous plans as she lay in his arms after sex. Peculiar post-coital conversation. We had sex. That hook is so catchy. Yeah. I was definitely. thinking about it all day. It's great. Um, and uh, here's the last one. Uh, but yeah, we played all the rest on Patreon this week. But uh, so good. This guy is so talented. Don't smile at me, motherfucker. We are going inside. Don't smile at me, motherfucker. We are going inside. Texas woman shot to death by ex-boyfriend at her birthday party. Texas woman shot to death by ex-boyfriend at her birthday party. Carol Lee, oh Carol Lee, Carol Lee Taylor. Sweet Carol Lee, this is a brutal fucking story. It turns deadly. Wow, it's fucking weird. Texas woman shot to death by ex-boyfriend at her birthday party. Texas woman shot to death, shot to death on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I think the funniest part about it is I remember all these stories. Yeah, no. That you it's did, great. you know? Yeah. God, that guy's so good. He mm. could be a DJ for um that Jay-Z. That yeah. Jay-Z guy. <laughs> Who's What's that? His... Dr. Dre. Yeah, the, Dr. The, the, Dre. Yeah, That's Dr. Him. Dre, the mm. doctor. He's, He's the good. next Dr. Dre. He's the next one with the beats. Mm. Um, What's his website again? Um, It's on SoundCloud. Or it's SoundCloud. 8-Bit Beat Boy. 8-Bit Beat Boy. Andy, mm. thanks for sending that in. That was hilarious. Mm. Um, Really good. Uh, People, best way to support the show is by becoming a Sick and Wrong patron. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. Especially while you're quarantined and you need more pod crafting to listen to. Oh, yeah. uh, we do an extra story. We do a bunch of extra phone calls. I actually, you know what I did this week? I uh, Usually I release Fistful of Steel and just post it, and then I send a steal, and he, he released this This week. I sent out a public link for everybody. On mm. I post a public link on Facebook so people could listen to Fistful of Steel while they're at home. Mm. You know, why not? Why not? Yeah. Spreading the love. That's what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, this week we uh, ended up doing a whole round news roundup of coronavirus mishaps and crimes. And, uh, and also uh, on the YouTube, I've put some oh, yeah. uh, stuff. I put some videos of gaming. I'm doing some more Twitch shit. What is that game? It's like a like a porn version of like a pirate game or something. It's like a pirate. It's a it's an erotic pirate simulator. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good, yeah. So and I'm also doing face rig with it, so it's fun. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, and then also I uh, uh, started up. Let's kill ourselves again. Oh, you wait with uh with uh, yeah. Hung Young. Yep. Well, what happened? Put, how did you it, guys? Uh, how did you guys reconcile? She started messaging me, and uh, and I was like, sure, let's you know, well, yeah, I'd love to do the show again. Back um, on the horse. And then it was like, and then three days later, we got into a fight again. And, and like, was, fuck you, fuck you forever. You know, we're never doing it. And, uh, and then I realized, oh, wait a minute. It's actually just when she texts, she's a monster. But in person, she's, uh, she's an fine. Angel. I was talking on the phone in person, she's fine. She's just one of these people. She becomes a, a, an insane maniac. It's like it's like a YouTube commenter. She becomes like a YouTube commenter over text. So mm. I just had to redefine. Like we only communicate, you know, over the phone. Yeah, could you imagine being quarantined with her? <laughs> she was trying to convince me to move it. She has a two bedroom apartment that she oh, can't afford Jesus anymore. Christ. And she was like, "You should move." And I'm like, "God, God." So does anyway, she still, yeah, we're starting does that she up again. still shit in Tupperware? Or is she using toilets now? No, she's got a nice ass apartment, bro. Oh. Yeah. All right, why don't, you, yeah, why don't you move in? So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. We had all this stuff. She's on Kill Tony. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, we have all this extra content coming on Patreon. So patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Mm-hmm. Sign up today. And just to let all these people know, because I'm so sick of getting these emails, yep. where the Discord link is. Yep. Listen, I tested it today. You sign up for Patreon. You don't even have to pay money. You just sign up. And it's the very first thing. It's pinned to the top of the fucking page. Mm. It's an invite to Discord. You click on it. It's the, the first post pinned to the top of the page. You click on the link, and it's an invite from Harrison, personally from Harrison, to the Discord. That's right. I don't understand. It is like mm. people are flummoxed by this. They really are. It's like the Byzantine logic of Patreon like befuddles the masses. I don't get it. But no one can figure out where to find the link to the Discord. It's the first fucking post it's on like the Patreon page. Yeah, I oh, know. God, mm. I swear to God. Mm. It infuriates me. And now yeah. I think people are doing it on purpose just to fuck with me. Anyway, if you sign up for patreon.com slash sickenarms, go there, sign up for Patreon, you'll see it. it's the first post. Um also, there wasn't there some like drama on the Discord, like some cyberbullying. Oh, there was, yeah, yeah. Harrison, like, well, you kind of mod it out because you're on there a lot, but also yes. there's other listeners too that mod it. Yeah. But this week, there's a guy went after FM. Yep. I don't know. What's and then up he with was that. on later, like after the apologize. I don't think he did, but he was on what a and nobody dick. cared. So. All he right. just was on later and was not being a dick. So just leave FM fine. alone, man. Yeah. He's got enough problems as it is. <laughs> <laughs> we love FM here. Anyway, yeah. uh, sick wrong song of the week. I'm gonna. This is. I was trying to find a good like quarantine one. You probably mm-hmm. don't even know this band, but there's a band, kind of early two thousands, uh, punk rock band called Career Suicide, um, and they did a song called Quarantined. Uh, some of the members ended up joining that band fucked up a little later on. But we're going to end the show here with Career, career Suicides Quarantined. People will be back next week with episode 732. Until then, take it sleazy. <laughs>
question for you guys. What's uh, a radical? What's radical Judaism? A kike on a snowboard. What's a reverse exorcism? That's when the devil comes and tells the priest to get out of the void. What's the difference between a Catholic priest and acne? Acne at least waits till puberty to come on your face. Hi-yo!